Well, my name is Jared Blaukamp. Welcome to everybody here in-house and welcome everybody online. We're super glad that you've joined us tonight. I am super excited to give a message tonight and I believe that the message that I have to share tonight could literally change the way that we live our lives as Christians and could change the life of some people that maybe we've been praying for for a while, change the lives of some others for eternity. So I'm super excited. But before I get into the thick of the message here, I wanted to share a few testimonies of what's been happening in and throughout the college campuses in West Michigan. So I'm a university student. I'm a senior. I go to Grand Valley State University. And I'm a part of a community a campus ministry called Met by Love. And once a month, this community, we, we throw a big worship gathering at a church downtown. And we open it up to all of our Met by Love community. Met by Love is on eight different college campuses in and around the West Michigan area. And once a month, all eight campuses come together for one big gathering. And we call it a unity gathering. And so just two days ago, we had our unity gathering to kick off our, our, our semester of ministry. And there was about 500 uh, college-age or young adults in Crossroads Bible Church downtown, all lifting up their hands and praising Jesus. And yeah, that's something to clap about for sure. And let me tell you, these, these people, they praise Jesus. They praise Jesus unashamedly, but then they also live it out on their campus as well and committed to sharing the gospel. And so Monday night, we were praising and the gospel was shared and after that gospel response, we had several people give their lives to Jesus for the first time at this, at this event. And I just wanted to read a few testimonies um, from some of the different leaders. Um, so this is one of our leaders. He says, after I walked off the stage, a guy came right up to me and basically said, dude, I loved what you said and I want to sell everything. He gave his life to Jesus, and he later texted me that night, and he said that everything that this guy had preached on, it hit him to his core. It was like he was preaching directly to him. And he said at one point, the guy on stage made eye contact with him, and he knew that tonight was his night to get right with God. He ended up getting baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and was so grateful for the experience that he had. Isn't that crazy? This is another guy, he goes to, he's a freshman at Calvin University, and I just want to read from Thursday night, we had a, a separate, there was a separate gathering on his specific university um, on Thursday night, and I just want to share what happened in five days in this kid's life. This is a freshman from Calvin, this is everything that's happened in the past five days. One, he rededicated his life to Jesus on Thursday, he evangelized for the first time on Friday, he invited a buddy to another gathering who also got influenced by Jesus on that Friday. And then he got a word from the Lord about going to a specific dorm room in his hall. And then he ministered to those two people who were in that dorm room. That was on Friday night as well. On Saturday morning, he hosted a Bible study with him and his friend who he brought to the meeting the, other, the night before. And then on Monday, he got baptized at our unity gathering as well. 
Isn't that crazy? Like complete 180 transformation in this kid's life. 180 transformation. And then one more, one more testimony. Man, I'm tr- trying to think like which one to choose. There's so many uh, that I have here. Um, okay, so the, the last one here is uh, a, a lady in our community. She was at the gathering and she felt like the Lord prompted her heart to start journaling. And she started writing this letter that to somebody. She didn't know who it was for, but she started writing this letter in her journal. Um, and she said, so after he prompted me to journal, the Lord gave me a paragraph of encouragement and wisdom that was meant for someone else in the room. After highlighting the girl so she felt like the Lord called her to one specific girl, she delivered the message that she felt like was from the Lord. And she had the opportunity to pray for her and God completely healed her of all anxiety. And she said that there was like a physical weight that was lifted. And she said, I have never felt like this before. Isn't that crazy? Thank you, Jesus. This is just like, I share these things. One, because when we share a testimony, it literally sparks something and opens up God to do the same thing in your life. And so, man, if you have somebody in your life and you're like, wow, they are walking directly opposed to God. If, they, if they're in a similar situation, maybe like any of these people that I just said, they need to come to Jesus. Why don't you take that and say, Lord, I thank you that if you did it in that man's life, if you did it in that freshman from Calvin's life, if you did it for this girl who's battling with anxiety, then I trust that you can do it for me. I trust that you can do it in the people who are in my life that I've been contending for, that I've been praying for. Right, So I share that one, but then two, I share that because I want us to raise our faith. You know, we hear so much negativity about my generation, Generation Z. We so, hear so much about how they're turning away from Jesus. But man, I'm telling you, it's hard to believe all those things that you hear when you're in a room with 700 people, five to 700 people that are all jumping around and praising Jesus unashamedly. It's hard to believe those statistics when you have 30 of them on a college campus all walking up to people asking if they could pray with them and share the gospel with them. It's hard to believe, I tell you. And so God is after our generation, Generation Z. He's after our generation. And I believe that this generation is going to be one that carries revival. And I wanted to say thank you because a lot of you guys in this room have been prayer warriors for my generation. You've been praying for so many years. And my plea to you is please don't stop. We need all the prayers we can get. Don't give up hope. This generation is on the rise and it's on the move. So praise God. That was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so with the rest of the time that I have here today, um, I feel like God called me to teach on the topic of discipleship. You know, and here at Res Life Church, we have a mission statement, and that's to win souls and to make disciples, right? And we've been talking a lot about winning souls. If you were here last week or you are watching online last week, you heard Pastor Merle give a fiery message about, about winning souls, about taking the Great Commission personally, and how we have an opportunity to go into every single part of our, and every, every sector of our lives. We all have different spheres of influence that we God has given us to influence for his kingdom. And so today, as kind of an, a tag on to that, I'm going to be talking about the second half of that mission statement, which is making disciples. So first off, what is a disciple? Ray Vanderlaan, he's a prominent Bible teacher with extensive work in relating ancient Jewish culture to today's Christianity. He highlights that the Hebrew word 
for disciple is actually Talmud. And this word, he says, is literally defined as a student or a learner. But it doesn't end there. The goal of a Hebraic disciple was not only to know what their rabbi would know or what their discipler would know, but it would be also to do what he does. So as a disciple of Jesus, we're not just called to know the information up here, but we're called to apply it into our lives. Not just know what he knows, but to do what he does. And a disciple in the time of Jesus would literally give up everything they knew and everything they had in order to know, relate to, and emulate their rabbi or their teacher. And so when Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is what he's talking about. He's talking about go and make a learner. Go and make a student. Go and make a person who doesn't just know what I know, but also does what I have emulated as well. They do what I do. Now, one thing to note here is Jesus calls us and he's given us, as, as fellow disciples of Jesus, as believers of, in Jesus, he's given us this mandate just like he gave it to the disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. But it begs the question, disciples of who? Who, who are we making disciples of? Disciples of Jesus. That's right. Or our goal is not to make a disciple of Jared. It's not a goal to make a disciple of pastor so-and-so. Like, no, I don't, want, I don't want the person that I'm pouring into. I don't want the person that I am consistently meeting up with. I don't want them to emulate my character. Because if they did, man, they'd, they'd have some good things, but they'd also have some bad things, Right? But, man, we, we as, a, as a disciple of Jesus, we are called to make disciples of Jesus. We're called to grab people's hands and introduce them to Jesus. But ultimately, our goal is to place their hand in Jesus' hand so that he can walk with them and he can lead them. He can be the one who is teaching them. If I make a disciple in my image, they're only going to go as far as I could go. But if I make a disciple of Jesus, then they can go even further, longer, and higher than I ever could. My ceiling becomes their floor. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he, he, no, he notes and highlights and he's begging the, Christ, the Corinthian church, don't, don't. Raise a disciple in your own image. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul's saying, I'm following Jesus to my best ability. And you can imitate me as I follow Jesus. But understand this, that our bo- both of our end goal is the same. And it's Jesus. Don't follow me and then end with me. You need to follow Jesus. And so as a disciple, as a believer in Jesus, we're called to make disciples. That call has been given to every single believer to make a disciple, to raise up, to pour into somebody who's younger than you in the faith, 
you know, it might not be age-wise, but maybe it's just maturity with Jesus. You know, you're pouring into somebody else. And he's given us that mandate to pour in, to raise up learners and students who emulate the life of Jesus. And we're going to see this level of discipleship evident in the life of Moses and Joshua. And so I'm going to talk about the benefits of discipleship as seen through the life of Moses and Joshua in the book of Exodus. But and then we're also going to look at we're going to look at the penalty for lack of discipleship. And that's evidenced in the book of Judges. And then after we do both of those, I'm hoping to touch on a couple testimonies from my own life, and then we'll lead that into practical next steps. Does that sound good? All right. So what are the benefits of discipleship? This is our first point. Point number one, discipleship preserves moves of God across generations. I'm going to say that one more time. Discipleship preserves moves of God across generations. And we're going to see this specifically played out through the life of Moses and Joshua. So Moses is a character in the Old Testament. He's a person in the Old Testament, and that's the first half of your Bible. You can read about his, a large majority of his life in the books of Exodus to Deuteronomy. And although there are, many, there are many lessons that we can learn from the life of Moses, if I had to say it, I would say he's probably one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. I love this guy. He was, he was an awesome man of God, awesome servant of Jesus. But we're specifically going to zero in on the steps and the practical steps that he took to raise up Joshua to take over the nation of Israel after he had moved on. So first off, where did, so where did Joshua, where did Joshua come into the scene? The first time that we read about Joshua's life is in Exodus 17, verse 8 through 10. That's again, that's Exodus 17, Verse 8 through 10, and we're going to read. So it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the, of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the mountain. So what do we see here? First thing we see is that Joshua was a leader, even before Moses chose to start intentionally pouring into him. Joshua already had some level of respect in the community of the nation of Israel. And what what does Moses do? It's almost like Moses is seeing, okay, Joshua, like how how good are you going to take this responsibility? He gives them this tangible piece of responsibility in leading the entire nation of Israel to go and fight this battle. And the result is that Joshua defeated the Amalekites and Israel won a great victory that day. Now, it it might not be because Joshua was a great military leader. If you read that story further in Exodus 17, it was because Moses held the rod of God above his hand. And as long as he did so, Israel won the battle. But if he lowered it, then they would lose, you know. But nonetheless, Joshua carried a level of leadership in the Israelite community. But... Was it, was it Joshua's military expertise or leadership quality or charisma that set Joshua apart from the rest in the Israelite community? Like, like there was an estimated two million people, a part of this 
Israelite community. And why? Why is Joshua singled out as the one? Why is he the one that Moses would choose to raise up as somebody who would take over the nation of Israel? Joshua was being faithful with what Moses asked him to do. And he did have a certain level of military expertise and leadership qualities. But there's something else that Joshua had. And we're going to read that other part, this other side of Joshua's character in Exodus 33 verse 11. Exodus 33 verse 11. This is what it says. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man would speak to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So Moses would go into this meeting place with God. And he would literally talk with God face to face as a man. Just like I'm talking to you right now. God would talk with Moses just like that. And his presence would fall in the tent of meeting. And Joshua, who is carrying these leadership qualities, who the people already kind of respect, and he shows some good promise, he's waiting outside of the tabernacle. Why? Because he has a hunger. He has a thirst. He has a desire for the presence of God. And it says even after Moses leaves the tent of meeting, he's gone. Joshua lingers behind the tent. Why? Because he's after, he's after the presence of Jesus. Again, we read in Exodus 32, verse 15 through 17, we, we see this hunger after the presence of Jesus. Again, Exodus, 2, Exodus 32, 15 through 17. And it says, And Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two ta- tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, one on one side, and the other they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is noise of war in the camp. Now, this might seem like a little bit of a strange verse or strange section to point out here, but a little background onto this is the Lord called Moses up to the top of a mountain, right? And that's where he received the Ten Commandments. That's where God, like, for 40 days and 40 nights, he did not drink or eat anything, and God had literally given him the instructions. He'd given him the law and commandments that were supposed to govern these two million people that were waiting at the base of the mountain. God's literal presence came down in a fire and a flame and the whole Israelite community was afraid and they ran away. But check out verse 17. Where was Joshua in all of this? It says, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as he shouted, he said to Moses, there's noise of war in the camp. Joshua wasn't in the camp. He wasn't down at the mountain with the rest of the people waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. He actually went with Moses, at least partially up the mountain. I don't know if he was there when God descended and, you know, with all the fire and the thunderings and the lightnings, but he was with Moses at the top of the mountain. He had a hunger. He had a thirst for the presence of God. 
And I want us to zero in on that word with. He was with Moses. Because what is Moses' role in all of this? He's the disciple maker. And he's the one who's developing and pouring into Joshua. And Moses is simply bringing Joshua along with him in all of his endeavors. And all of his experiences with God. Moses is meeting with God face to face. He has a dynamic relationship with God. He's developed intimacy and close and a depth of a relationship with God. And he's saying, Joshua, I want to invite you into this. Why don't you come along with me and sit outside the tent of meeting? Joshua, I want to invite you into this. Why don't you come with me up to the top of the mountain and experience the outpour of God's spirit? Because this is a disciple. It doesn't, it, the disciple doesn't only just know what, what their teacher is telling them. doesn't just know what they know, but he also does what he does. You know, and I've heard it said that discipleship is 20% taught, but it's 80% caught. And if we, as disciple makers, we're learning from Moses today. We're, we're going to school from Moses' life. And what is Moses doing? One... Moses has developed a real relationship with God himself. He's become himself a disciple of Jesus. He's developed an intimacy, a closeness with Jesus. And so also that's what God is asking of us. To go deep with him. To know his word. To know his ways. Just like Moses did. But then two, he's asking us to simply reach out to somebody from the younger generation, reach out to somebody who's not as far along in their faith and say, hey, would you come with me? Let me show you what I've learned about my relationship with Jesus. Let, let me bring you with. And that is our role as a disciple makers here. In 2022, that's our roles. And it doesn't matter whether you're 22, whether you're 18, whether you're 17, doesn't matter whether you're 60, 59, whether you're 80 years old in the room, 90 years old in the room, or watching online, it doesn't matter what age you are, because if God has you on the earth, then he's got a purpose and a plan for you, and this purpose and plan is summed up in Matthew 28, go therefore and make it a disciples of all nations. We always want to be progressing and increasing, one, in our own devotion and relationship with Jesus, but then two, what a joy it is that we get to take others along with us and say, wow, would you, could, man, could you learn something about God? Let me bring you with as I go to spend time with Jesus. Hey, maybe I'm reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, would you meet me at this coffee shop and let's just read the Bible together. I would love to show you how I read the Bible meaningfully or how I spend time with Jesus. Or maybe you invite somebody else over to your house and you say, hey, you know, for the first 30 minutes, let's just throw on some worship music and pray and connect with God. This is how I connect with God and I would love for you to just do it with me. We'd be surprised at how much those types of interactions actually disciple people rather than the teachings or the five-point you know, sermons that we could give to somebody, you know? And this is, this is how Moses did discipleship. He knew God for himself, and then he simply brought Joshua with him. Now, what was the end of all of Moses' endeavors? What was the end of his pouring into Joshua? Did Joshua actually become the leader that Moses intended? 
and that God intended that he would be? Yes. And this is what we read. It's confirmed in Joshua 1, verse 1 through 3. Joshua 1, verse 1 through 3, and it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. One thing I want to zero in out of this chunk of verses here is that notice that it says, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. We know the, the previous verses we read, like the Lord would come down and speak with Moses face to face, and Joshua would come with, but kind of get like the scraps off of that, right? He'd get the secondhand revelation from Moses to Joshua, but now Moses had built such a, a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God in Joshua that now the Lord was speaking directly to Joshua. Moses' discipleship was successful in Joshua's, in Joshua's life. Because Moses wasn't creating Joshua, or Moses wasn't pouring into Joshua so that he would lead just like Moses did. No. He was pouring in to Joshua so that Joshua would lead how God wanted him to. He led him to be a disciple of God. Just like we are called to lead people to be disciples of Jesus. Now, while Moses faithfully raised up Joshua, unfortunately Joshua did not carry the same heart of discipleship for the younger generation. He faithfully poured into and discipled his peers, but did not extend a hand to the younger generation. He did not raise up a next leader to lead the nation of Israel and make sure they were committed to his ways. And here is where we see the consequences of the lack of discipleship. And this is point number two. It says the lack of discipleship dilutes a move of God across generations. Lack of discipleship dilutes a move of God. And this is what we read in Judges 2, verse 7 through 11. In my opinion... This is one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. It says, Judges 2, verse 7 through 11, it says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all of the great works of the Lord, which he had done from Israel. But now Joshua, the son of the Lord, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance at Imnath Ares, in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. But when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work that he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, other gods. The Lord had done so much 
through the life of Joshua. And those people had seen so much. They'd seen the power of God displayed in their, in their community. They literally saw the walls of Jericho get pummeled and fall down and they take the city of Jericho. They saw the sun literally stand still in the sky so that they could fight and destroy their enemies. They, literally, they saw great and powerful moves of God. So why didn't they, why didn't they take on the same heart of covenant relationship with God? You know the reason? It's because none of them knew the presence of the Lord. Nobody knew God like Moses knew God. Nobody knew God like Joshua knew God. Joshua had poured into his elders and he invited his elders, who, some of his buddies, to you know, have that same covenantal dependency, to have that same thirst for the presence of Jesus. But nobody looked to the younger generation and said, hey, would you come with me and sit outside my tent as I commune with Jesus? Would you come up with me to the mountain because the Lord's called me up there? They didn't reach out to that younger generation and the result of that was a generation who did not know the Lord. They didn't know the works that he had done. And because of this lack of knowledge and lack of thirst for God's presence, they turned to other gods and they turned away from, they turned away from the Lord. You know, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I, uh, I was on fire for Jesus, and I loved him, and I wanted to do everything to serve him, and I had high hopes for my high school. But I think if I had to relate my high school experience to one of these two stories, either Joshua to Moses or Joshua with his elders, I would probably describe my high school experience as Joshua with those elders. I had served the Lord, and I had seen great and powerful moves of the Lord, and I even invited some of my classmates into that. And we, as a class, we had gone, we had led our school in the fear of the Lord. We, were, we had led our school to in powerful times of worship and prayer with Jesus. And we saw God do a lot in the four years that I was in high school. But man, if I'm honest with myself, I didn't reach out to any of the younger classmen. I didn't take that extra step to say, hey, bro, I would love to buy pizza for you. And let's read the word together. Hey, I, 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 do you know how to pray, man? I would love to just like pray with you for an extended period of time. And maybe like, I don't know, if you have any questions about it, I'm here for you. And I didn't intentionally walk with somebody. And you know what the result with that, which was sad, is, man, I went back a few years later to my high school. And this is what I heard. And honestly, it was flattering, but it kind of broke my heart. This is what I heard from some of the faculty, some of the staff, some of the teachers. I heard, Jared, I, I, man, we just wish that your class would come back. To sh to come back. You know what? That, man, that was flattering, right? In a sense. But man, it kind of broke my heart. Because, man, I didn't. You don't need me. You shouldn't need me. They didn't, shouldn't need my class. They should, man, I think I missed an opportunity there to actually pull, pour into somebody younger than me and have them take that same heart and that same passion, that same zeal for the Lord and carry it on even after I graduated. But when I headed into college, the Lord really started to grip my heart for discipleship. He really started to show me 
a lot of the things that I've sh- I'm sharing tonight, the Lord actually revealed to me over the period of quarantine and over the, right when COVID was at its outset. And you know what I started to do? I remember it was August of 2020 and I was on the porch, front porch of one of my buddy's houses downtown. And there was about 12 of us that were all, we were all juniors and seniors in college. And we had all seen, again, wild moves of God in our time at college. But we recognized and the Lord had revealed to me that, man, it's not just me experiencing all of this. I need somebody younger than me that I can pour into and that I can bring into this narrative that they'll carry it on even after I'm gone. And that day on August, I think it was August 12 of 2020, we hit our knees on this porch and we began to cry out to God. And we said, God, would you send us one or two Joshua's? Would you send us one or two people that we can pour into intentionally, that we can walk in, walk with week in and week out, that we could show the limited experiences that we've had, the limited knowledge of who you are, Jesus, that we can bring into the storyline of what you're doing in Grand Valley, what you're doing in Met by Love, Jesus, would you, would you open our eyes to find these people? Bring us a Joshua that we could raise up. And you know what the Lord did? He answered our prayers. He answered our prayers. In February of 2021, I met two guys. Two guys. Brayden Moore and Zach Shires. And they were freshmen at Grand Valley. And all I did is, it was them two and then three of their other of their buddies. I met them at a worship night and I prayed with them that night. And all I did is I put them into a group chat together and I was in it. And you know what? I was probably pretty annoying because I texted them so much. And I said, hey, boys, I would love to buy you all pizza. When are we meeting up? When are we meeting up? And you know, for three weeks, nothing really hit. We couldn't stick. We couldn't land on a date for anything. But at the end of those three weeks, we all settled on one night, Wednesday nights. And so Wednesday nights was our night. We would all pack into my little car, the, all the five of us, all five college dudes. It was really, it was really yeah, close, cluttered, yep. Anyway, we drove and we'd grab a pizza and we'd dr- bring it back to campus and we'd read our, read our Bibles and just eat pizza together. And we called it P-WAP, pizza with a purpose, P-WAP. That was just what we called it. And we, we just started just praying over one another and sometimes the Holy Spirit would fall in this little small group of the six of us and man, we'd all be on our knees and we'd all be praying and What happened was, man, the experiences that I was having with the Lord, I was bringing these younger people in with me to these experiences. And now those two, Zach and Brayden, they're actually on the leadership team with me of the campus ministry I help lead at Grand Valley. And they both are going on missions trips this summer. One of them is going to the Congo to serve two weeks to go door to door knocking on and and seeing if they can share the gospel and praying with everybody in these huts in the Congo. And then the other one is going on a 10-week missions trip across the entire country to literally share the gospel in different communities across America. And you know what? My heart, when I look at these two guys, I literally, I could talk about these guys forever. I filled with so much joy when I look at these guys. Why? Because they've caught it. They've realized that it's not Jared. They've realized it's not me. It's not my charisma. It's not my leadership capabilities. It's not my leadership style. They've realized that it's Jesus. And they're committed now 
to being disciples of Jesus. And they themselves now are looking for others who are younger than them to say, man, who can I bring into this storyline? Who can I bring into this dynamic relationship with God that I have cultivated? And so as we close here tonight, I feel like we have a few, there's a few different people, a few different steps of action that we can take. I feel like the Lord specifically highlight two things for us. That either one, you're watching online or you're in this room and you're one who needs to hit your knees just like I did in August of 2020 and ask God to send you a Joshua that you can raise up and that you can pour into. That's number one. Number two, or maybe you are a Joshua and maybe you need a little bit more of development. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I need, I could use some more discipleship in my life even, right? As I reach out to others, I, want, I also want to be a learner too. I want to go uh, take that next step in my own discipleship process. And I just want to mention these really practical things. And if you're saying, you know, we all are disciples and we all are lifelong learners, we're never going to stop. It's not like sometimes we reach this mark and we're like, okay, that's it. Like, you're perfect. Good job, Jared. Never have to attend another class or church service. You know, like that's not going to happen in our lives. We're all supposed to be lifelong disciples and lifelong learners. And if, if you're in this room and you're saying, man, I really would love extra practical steps that I could go to go deeper in my own personal relationship with Jesus, I just want to list off four things, four steps that you could practically take at this church to grow in your discipleship, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. One of them is growth track. And the growth track is a four-week series where you literally see, you, you learn about hearing God, you learn about the attributes of God, but then you more, you better, by the end of the class, you'll better understand where you specifically fit into the body of Christ and what God has called you to. Number two is Freedom Foundations. It's a class that we run periodically um, throughout this class, and you'll grow in hearing from God and receiving freedom in your own life. Number three is Leaders for Christ Training School. I don't know if you know this, but Sunday afternoons, we actually host a Bible school here at Res Life, and you can come and get dynamic teaching from preachers all over the world and grow in your biblical knowledge and your theological understanding through the classroom experience. And then number four is the Faith Essentials class. And you can learn the foundations of our faith through dynamic teaching, and become firmly founded on God and his word. So these are four practical steps. Growth track, Freedom Foundations, Leaders for Christ, and Faith Essentials. And the Faith Essentials class starts on February 20. And so if, you've, if you're saying, man, I really want to take that next step. I want to go and I want to increase in my learning, my understanding of Jesus. I want to become like a better disciple of Jesus. I want to learn more about his ways. These are four ways that you practically can get involved here at this church. And all of these things that I mentioned, they're all on our website, reslife.org. And you can find them under, you can find them under classes and, um, yeah, next steps. You can find them under our next steps ministries. And so, so God literally came down to this earth and he made a way for us to know him. But this free gift of salvation that he offers us wasn't just for us. It was meant to be taken, to be developed inside of us and then poured out to that next generation.
And my hope and my prayer for all of you in this room and all of you watching online is that we, together as a church family, would pick up this mission statement of making disciples for Jesus. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. If if there's anybody in this room and you're saying, man, I've been talking about disciples, but if I'm honest with myself, I don't even know where I stand with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, man, I don't know where, if I'm even a disciple, if I've even taken that first step to commit my life to Jesus. We were all lost in our sins. This is what it says in Ephesians 2. We were all lost in our sins. And the payment for our sin was death, eternal separation from God. But God sent his son Jesus so that we could have a relationship with God. And just like Moses, we can know him face to face. We could hear from him and we could walk in dynamic relationship with him. We could be saved from our sin and saved from hell and not only go to heaven when we die, but also get heaven into us while we're on the earth. And if that's you in the room or if you're watching online, I never want to end a service without giving you an opportunity to respond to this gospel message. So if that's you and you're saying, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I know I'm not right and I want to be right with God. This is your first step. I'm going to count to the three and I just want you to raise your hand if you're in the room. And if you're watching online, just type yes in the chat. So one, two, three. Anybody in the room? Anybody watching online, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. So good, Jesus. Jesus. All right, so everyone repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, I want to give everything for you. I make you Lord of my life. And Holy Spirit, Help me become a discipler of you. Help me to lead others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. It was a joy speaking here tonight.